0: Welcome to this week's episode of Business Wise. This is a podcast series for entrepreneurs interested in expanding through learning and applying the management system discovered and developed by humanitarian philosopher and administrator, Mr. L. Ron Hubbard. We are covering the subject of L. Ron Hubbard's Administrative Scale of Importances or Admin Scale, and uh, we've just devoted a couple of episodes to the seventh level of scale, which is Orders. And I quickly realized uh, that there is so much to know about orders that I could easily digress away from the admin scale entirely. So uh, what we've done, we've got here now three episodes in total, uh, because we added a review of an earlier episode in there on orders. And we're going to leave that level now to tackle the next level of the scale, which is ideal scenes. So this is now the eighth level of the scale. And while it is a fairly simple one to describe it, its use in analyzing situations and discovering why something is going wrong is quite involved, and we'll probably touch back on this again and again throughout business-wise. But suffice to say, if you don't have an ideal scene for your company, your family, your own life, you'll have a very hard time trying to correct the things that need to be corrected so that you can achieve that ideal scene. And, of course, your goals. Uh, To give you an example, if you're a star soccer coach, for instance, but you're completely unfamiliar with basketball, never heard of the game, know nothing about the game, and you're asked to look into uh, what a basketball team is doing uh, or why it is doing so poorly, and you you saw a basketball game where the score is 2-0 in the fourth quarter. you might not think there's anything wrong. Why? Because that's not an untypical soccer score in a soccer match, but something is seriously wrong with a basketball score like that. But if you're unfamiliar with what the ideal scene is for basketball, how could you even begin to sort that out? You get the point? You couldn't. So establishing and knowing your ideal scene is critical to discovering what is wrong and what needs to be corrected. To my mind, uh, just as an aside, this is a common problem with marital relationships. You know, people fall in love, they get married, but make sure you share the same ideal scene before you make a lifelong commitment like that. So, all right, so let's start by defining the word ideal. Per Mr. Oxford, we'll go over to Mr. Oxford on this one. Definition here is satisfying one's conception of what is perfect. Most suitable. And then they give an example, the swimming pool is ideal for a quick dip. So a conception, of course, the word that they're that Oxford is using here in the definition, a conception is, of course, an idea. And we did an episode on ideas at the very beginning of the year. You might want to review that one because they're very, it's very related to what we're talking about today. But a conception is, of course, an idea. And when we look at the derivation of the word ideal, we find that it is from late Middle English, from late Latin, idealis, from Latin, idea, idea. Idea, idea is from uh, the Greek word idea. I don't know how you pronounce it in Greek, but idea, idea, which means form or pattern. We covered that in that earlier episode at the beginning of the year, and that's from the base of idean to see. So, an ideal is something that has that one has constructed in one's mind as a perfection, as a pattern, a form to be followed straight from the Greeks, pretty smart guys, the Greeks, right? Now, and that is, you know, something that one sees in one's mind's eye, if you will. So now let's look at Mr. Hubbard's definition for ideal scene. And he states here, this is from an article 29, February, 1972, early 1970s was when he was doing a lot of this research into logic and uh, ideal scenes was part of that. Anyway, he states here, quote, the state of affairs envisioned by policy or the improvement of even that. The state of affairs envisioned by policy or the improvement of even that. So here you see the connection between ideal scene and policy. Obviously, they're both on the admin scale. Your ideal scene should be expressed in your policy and obviously must align. That's pretty obvious from that definition, but it, it's not just policy that is intimately connected to ideal scenes, as we will cover in a moment, and as we will cover when we go into the next level of the scale, which is statistics. All these things, of course, just for the rationale or philosophy of the admin scale, they must align, but you'll see how intimate they are and how related they are in a moment. All right. So the article we're basing today's episode on is called How to Find and Establish an Ideal Scene. And it's stated the 5th of July, 1970. Now, this is a pretty lengthy article, and it's actually part of Mr. Hubbard's writings on the subject of logic and data analysis. We're only going to cover a couple of sections out of it, okay? So uh, we're not going to cover the whole article. It's quite long. It's quite involved. But there is some very, very important and relevant information here on the subject of ideal scenes, obviously. And so we're going to cover those sections, all right? So here we go. All right. So here he says, quote, there are two scenes, A, the ideal scene, B, the existing scene. These, of course, can be wide apart. How does one know the ideal scene? At first thought, it would be very difficult for a person, not an expert to know the ideal scene. For years, certain, quote, authoritarian people in the field of mental healing fought with lies and great guile to obscure the fact that the ideal scene and mental healing can be known to anyone. He's making a point here how simple an ideal scene and its expression can be, okay? He's using an incredible example. Goes on to say this, such imprisoned and tortured and murdered human beings with the excuse that they themselves were the only experts. It takes 12 years to make a psychiatrist. Expert skill is required to kill a patient. Goes on to say, the existing scene these, quote, experts, end quote, made was a slaughterhouse for asylums and the insanity and crime statistics soaring. Has anyone seen soaring insanity and crime statistics lately? All right. They, he's talking about the the vested interests in psychiatrists and so forth. They fought like maniacs to obscure the ideal scene and hired and coerced an army of agents, quote, reporters, end quote, quote, officials, end quote, and such to smash anyone who sought to present the ideal scene or ways to attain it. Indeed, it was a world gone mad with even the police and governments hoodwinked by these quote-unquote experts. Listen to this. He says, yet any citizen knew the ideal scene had he not been so propaganda-frightened by the existing scene. Now, this was written in 70, huh? And think about how relevant it is today. That's one of the reasons why I really wanted to uh, cover this section of the article, because it's an interesting social commentary. Uh, because whatever we're talking about from 1970, you can see it magnified a hundredfold today. You know, just to repeat that line, he says, yet any citizen knew the ideal scene had he not been so propaganda frightened by the existing scene. People are afraid to talk about traditional or conservative values. Common, Let's not even call them, let's just call them common sense values, right? You're basically ostracized or canceled or whatever they call it. You know, if you start advocating this sort of thing Uh, maybe less so maybe there's a shift but this is the depth of degradation that we've hit now uh, anyway so to continue with the article he says by constantly pounding in the quote naturalness end quote of an existing scene consisting of madness crime torture seizure and murder these mad quote experts put the ideal scene so far from reach that it appeared incredible It was so bad a situation that anyone proposing the ideal scene was actively resisted. Does this seem at all familiar to anybody here, any of the listeners? Okay. Then he goes on to say this. Yet the ideal scene is so easy to state that any citizen could have stated it at any time and often believed it was occurring. People actually, oh yeah, people are getting better. Look at what's going on around you. Just open your eyes. Tell me that people are getting better. All right. Yeah, they're getting better, all right, but not from not from those vested interests. Okay, there are people that are improving. No, I don't want to paint a totally black picture. I have many, many friends who have found a way to recover ethics and sanity for themselves and others, and keep looking if you're a listener, because you know, there are ways and means out there, and you might even find that if you continue to look into Mr. Hubbard's works, you'll find more and more answers like that. But anyway, we go on. He says, the ideal scene... Of an asylum would be people recovering in a calm atmosphere, restored to any previous ability, emerging competent and confident. What a beautiful expression of an ideal scene for mental healing, right? The ideal scene of an asylum would be people recovering in a calm atmosphere, restored to any previous ability, emerging competent and confident. Now that's an ideal scene. Then he goes on to say this very beautiful. Listen to this. The ideal scene in the society would be probably a safe environment wherein one could happily make his way through life. How's that for a beautiful expression? Does any of this sound complex? Does any of this seem like you'd need to study for 20 years, you know, in some Ivy League school to establish an ideal scene for mental healing or for society? Heck no. That's one of the beauties of ideal scenes. They're quite simple, actually. Then he goes on to say, of course, the technology of the mind was a missing data, but the experts in charge of that sector of life paid out hard cash to hoods to prevent any such technology developing a matter fully documented. The gap between the ideal scene and the existing scene can be very wide, and in any endeavor, elements exist that tend to prevent a total closure between the two. However, approached on a gradient with skill and determination, it can be done. Don't lose sight of that fact. I don't care what your ideal scene is. I don't care how ideal it might be for yourself, for your family, for your organization, for your, your community, for the world at large. He says, the gap between the ideal scene and the existing scene can be very wide and in any endeavor, elements exist that tend to prevent a total closure between the two. However, approached on a gradient with skill and determination, it can be done. Approached on a gradient with skill and determination. That's put those in letters of fire in reverse on the inside of your forehead, right? It can be done. Approached on a gradient with skill and determination. All right. So then he goes on to say this. He, uh, continuing in the article, next section, he's, this is titled Departure. He says, the mental awareness that something is wrong with a scene is a point at which one can begin reverting to the ideal scene. Now, I'm going to go into this because, again, it's a very interesting social commentary But you may have to re-listen to this a time or two. It, It gets quite involved. But listen to this. Without this awareness on the part of a group, then an individual can be much impeded in handling a situation. So the first steps here are awareness steps. Mental awareness that something is wrong with the scene is the point at which one can begin reverting to the ideal scene. And then he goes on to say this. The mental processes of the person seeking to improve things toward an ideal scene Or change them back to an ideal scene must include those who are also parts of the scene. It's logical. You want to do an estimate of what it's going to take to take your existing scene and move it back towards an ideal scene. It starts, of course, with an awareness that something is wrong with the scene. And your approach must include those who are also part of the scene. This is one of the reasons why you have to express this in an admin scale. The ideal scene has to be expressed. All right. Now, this is where I think the social commentary really starts, and it's very interesting. He's, and, and you can make a connection in a microcosmic way or a macrocosmic way, but this is very, very interesting. So listen to this. He says, seeing something wrong without seeking to correct it degenerates into mere fault finding and natter. Natter is hypercriticalness. There's more to it than that, but you can understand this concept if you understand. Natter is hypercriticalness. So, seeing something wrong without seeking to correct it degenerates into mere fault finding and natter. And we've all seen people who are hypercritical and they're sitting there criticizing fault finding, but then they don't do anything about it. So, he goes on to say this this is about as far as many people go that something real or imagined is wrong with the scene is a not uncommon. State of mind, not knowing what's intended or being done, or the limitations of resource, or the magnitude and complexity of opposition, the armchair critic can be dreadfully unreal. He therefore tends to be suppressed, particularly by reactionaries who try to keep it all as it is, regardless. That's your reactionary. That's your, you know, middle class that doesn't want anything to change goes on to say, unfortunately, the continual battle of life then is between the critic and the reactionary. As this often blows up in pointless destruction, it can be seen there could be something wrong with both of them. Particularly, the inactive carping critic is at fault on three counts. Remember this when you're next dealing with a carping critic. A. He isn't doing anything about it. B he's not conceiving or broadcasting a real ideal scene. Maybe he's got an ideal scene, but it's not real. C, he is not providing any gradient approach to actually attain an ideal scene. Remember the earlier line I told you would be an important one to remember about using gradients to approach the ideal scene. The reactionary, of course, simply resists any change regardless of who is suffering providing the reactionary can retain what position and possession he may have. A revolutionary, of course, usually one, is doing something about it, even if violent, two, is conceiving and broadcasting his version of the ideal scene, and three, is planning and acting upon some means of bringing about his own ideal scene. History and, quote, progress, end quote, seem to be the revolutionary making his version of progress over the dead bodies of reactionaries. And although it may be history and, quote, progress, the cycle is usually intensely destructive and ends up without attaining an ideal scene and also destroying any scene existing. The ancient world is filled with ruins, ruins, over which one can wander in contemplative and philosophic reverie. These attempts to make and maintain an ideal scene certainly left enough bruised masonry around. So it is really not enough to natter, and it's rather too much to thrust violent change down on the heads of one and all, including the objectors. Violent revolution comes about when the actual ideal scene has not been properly stated, and when it excludes... Significant parts of the group. Remember the earlier point he made. You have to include the constituent parts of your group. All right. It's no good having a revolution if the end product will be a further departure from the ideal scene. Okay. So that I think is a very interesting social commentary. It's also a very good illustration of the importance of ideal scenes and that one needs to take into consideration all. Uh, participants in that ideal scene. You've got your critics, you've got your reactionaries, you've got your revolutionaries, and of course, you've got the people who are probably oblivious to all of it. (laughs) So remember that when you're approaching an existing scene to move it towards an ideal scene, remember, gradients with skill and determination, it can be done. Gradients with skill and determination. Three components there to attaining an ideal scene. Anyway, I wanted to go back to that. We covered that earlier in the article. But anyway, just wanted to remind you of that. He's talking about gradients. He's talking about skill. And he's talking about, of course, determination. All right, so let's go on here. I remember earlier in the episode, I was describing the intimacy between ideal scene and policy. I said there were other levels of the scale. Listen to this, because this is how you now arrive at your ideal scene. He says, let us look this over, this concept of the ideal scene, and see that it is not a very complex thing. One doesn't have to be much of an expert to see what an ideal scene would be. The complex parts of the whole may not make up the whole, but they are not really vital to conceiving an ideal scene for any activity, as small as a family or as big as a planet. Look, you don't have to know every aspect of the complexity to arrive at an ideal scene. So he gives you this interesting formula. The entire concept of an ideal scene for any activity is really a clean statement of its purpose. You want that again? The entire concept of an ideal scene for any activity is really a clean statement of its purpose. Goes on to say, all one has to ask is what's the purpose of this? And one will be able to work out what the ideal scene of this is. See how simple this gets? Gives an example. To give a pedestrian example, let us take a shoe shop. Its purpose is obviously to sell or provide people with shoes. The ideal scene is almost as simple as this activity sells or provides people with shoes. Bam. Got the purpose. Here's the ideal scene remove the complexity. Goes on to say, now, no matter how complex may be the business or economics of shoe sales, the fact remains that that is almost the ideal scene. Only one factor is now missing, time. The complete ideal scene of the shoe shop is then, quote, this activity is intended to provide people with shoes for time, whatever the time is. It can be always, or for its owner's lifetime, or for the duration of the owner's stay in the town, or the duration of the state fair. Now, these are Mr. Robert's words, now we can see departures from the ideal scene of this shoe store. I like to use the example from my experience in logging camps. You know, uh, one could express the purpose of a logging camp to uh, provide the logs needed uh, for the mills to produce lumber. And paper. That's a pretty simple statement of the purpose. And you can easily see that could be an ideal scene. Yeah, we're providing lots of logs. You could add in there probably quantity, quality, and viability. So you'd be like, you know, to provide logs to the mills in adequate quantity, quality, and viability uh, for the production of paper and lumber, something along those lines. That would be a statement of its purpose. And now you get an idea of the ideal scene. Yeah, lots of logs coming out of those mountains and uh, being dropped into uh, the Hecate Straits and being, uh, you know, loaded on barges and taken to the mills. That's our ideal scene. It's happening. Wait a minute, though. We took out time. We took out time. Let's add time. Let's say into perpetuity. Let's say forever. Now, back in the day, you know, before people became aware of these things, You know how many thousands of years it takes to grow these trees, Uh, these enormous uh, Douglas firs and spruce trees and so forth and hemlocks on the sides of some of these steep mountains on the west coast of uh, Canada or in the Queen Charlotte Islands? That takes topsoil and that uh, there's a coaction between, of course, the trees and the topsoil, the generation of topsoil. So you now have these trees, these incredible rainforests, actually, that uh, are covering that topsoil and allowing it to exist. Allowing it to persist through you know lots and lots of rain in those places. So now you clear that hillside or that mountainside of those trees, and you don't immediately replant and take uh, action to make sure that the soil does not get washed away. And you have now another thousand years or more to regenerate those forests. Uh, that's that's not an ideal scene. You you could say we have the ideal scene. We're we're, we're getting lots of logs into into the. Uh, Bay over here, you know, and we're getting, it's viable, it's lots of quantity, but where's the time in that, you see? Eventually you run out of mountains, you run out of trees. So uh, adding time to the ideal scene is, as as Mr. Hubbard states here, is a critical element. So he goes on to say, one has to work out fairly correctly what the purpose of an activity is and how long it is to endure before one can make a statement of the ideal scene. From this, one can work out the complexities which compose the activity in order to establish it in the first place, including the speed of the gradient, keeps coming back to gradient, how much shoe store, how fast, and also how to spot the fact of departure from the ideal scene. See, you don't have an ideal scene expressed, then you don't recognize, you don't know what a basketball team is supposed to look like or what the score is supposed to be. You're not going to be able to spot departures from that ideal scene. Again, Mr. Robert's words this process would also work on any portion of the shoe store if the main ideal is not also violated. The children's department, the cashier, the stock clerk also have their sub ideal scenes, and departures from their ideal scenes can be noted. So, yeah, part of you'll notice on the administrative scale of importance is it's ideal scenes, not ideal scene. You can express an ideal scene for reception, for um, the operatories, for the marketing department, for the finance department or treasury. Any of these areas should have their own ideal scene expressed. And how do you find that ideal scene? Expression of its purpose, right? Okay, so we'll wrap up this section. He says, it doesn't matter what the activity is, large or small, romantic or humdrum, its ideal scene and its sub-ideal scenes are arrived at in the same way. Okay, good. So that's your introduction to ideal scenes. It uh, it should be adequate now for you to arrive at your ideal scene for your activity uh, or your career or your life or your relationships or your family or how you're raising your kids or any of those things. Look at the purpose. Look at uh, near the top of your admin scale. Purposes, of course, is the second level of the scale and your ideal scene is probably pretty closely expressed there. And now you have a means of noticing departures from that ideal scene and uh, how to correct them back towards the ideal scene. We're going to go into that in a lot more detail in our next episode, which is on our next level of the admin scale, which is statistics. You're going to understand the relationship between statistics and ideal scenes and your purposes and so on. Very critical relationship because, well, you'll see. It's very critical. All right. Well, thank you very, very much for listening to this week's episode of Businesswise. Please uh, give us a like if you liked what you learned today and uh, write us at info at ycs 2sorg Leave us your comments and uh, stay tuned. It's been kind of fun doing this admin scale. A lot of work, but it's been kind of fun doing this series on the admin scale. We're coming down the home stretch. There's only two more levels to go and um, should be able to wrap it up in two or three more episodes. All right. Thanks again for listening. Talk to you again next week.